Okay, Karen. Hello, really lovely to have you here today. We really appreciate you giving us your time. Um, what we're gonna do today, we're gonna just talk about a little bit about your company. We're gonna go into depth and just hear about your company, what you do, how amazing it is, and actually the challenges that have um, been there on the way as well to your success. And we're gonna talk about it's inevitable, obviously about what's going on in Ukraine. But let's start with uh, just introducing yourself a little bit for our uh, for our listeners and just a, a little bit about your company as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so nice to meet you, Matt. Um, happy to be here with you today. My name, yeah, as everybody heard, is Karen, and I'm one of the co-founders and the CCO at Koya Innovations. And the whole premise behind Koya is to help people connect in more meaningful ways. Uh, we started Koya three and a half years ago as a family. My dad is a serial entrepreneur and innovator. And so I grew up and my sister grew up seeing him innovate and like bring home different prototypes and hear him talking about technology and how we could use it for good and thinking about, you know, the future of tech and the future of the world with technology mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. So it was super normal for me growing up in that um, type of atmosphere to kind of be primed to do a startup essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. it's kind of within you. Know, Absolutely. Are, yeah. I feel mm -hmm. so lucky because it was so normal. Um, so the thought of actually starting a business together as a family was honestly quite a dream come true. So we started uh -huh. three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And the like I said, the premise is all about these more meaningful connections. So when we started Koya, um, we actually started as a B2C company because we were like, you know what? I was traveling a lot overseas for work. So was my dad and my sister and we kept missing, you know, special events and birthdays mm -hmm. and all these things. And we were trying to figure out ways to kind of make it easier for people to show up when they couldn't actually be there in person. Um, so we, my dad's specialty is in geofence technology and time mapping and uh -huh. mine's in creative direction and storytelling. My sister's in marketing, my mom's in community building. And oh my so God. Just, You've got the whole, the whole lot. Yeah. The whole yeah, I'm like, let's do this. I think we can actually maybe pull this off. We'll see. And if not, it'll be an adventure in and of itself. <laughs> So Definitely. we like we dove in together and started creating this product and it was great and we had a lot of users but we kept trying to figure out how we were going to create revenue and the requests we kept getting from people that used our product was do you have a b2b version of this i want to use this uh -huh. in my business i want to use this because i'm a realtor and i want to use this with you know my my customers my clients or i am a manager of a remote teams and i'm trying to create you know, a way to stay more connected and that's more personal. So mm -hmm. we, that we kind of not quite pivoted, but we just like added on and decided to put a focus on the B2B model. Um, and so that's what we've been up to recently. So by combining like media, event triggers, customizable um, gifts, like Koya helps people have this unique experience for both their customers and employees alike. Um, we like to say that we put the relational back-end CRM. Very um, nice. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit about us and where we're at right now. It definitely seems like, you know, it's one of those things that you've all got all parts of the business, yeah, just in your family. So it kind of just fits together like a puzzle. But obviously that does bring some challenges, I guess, at the same time being a family. <laughs> yeah, what have been the challenges, obviously, working as a family on this? Yeah, I mean, for one, I think you see each other's strengths, but you also see each other's weaknesses so up close. And so just learning how to grow in compassion for each other and remember we're all human. Um, it's just, that's been definitely part of it. I think 
Um, when people ask, do you feel like, you know, running a business with your family is more risky than with co-founders that you wouldn't know? Um, I actually say, I think it's less risky because we're, we're blood relatives. We know mm -hmm. each other so deeply and so well, and we're all really committed not only to seeing Koya thrive and make an impact in this world, but we're all equally committed to each other's success and seeing each other thrive in this process. So co-founder that I might not know, I might start to grow and, and compassion, empathy, and like wanting them to succeed. But the level I have of those qualities already Next for level, family, isn't it? is already mm -hmm. so high. Like I would be, I'm willing to do anything to see them succeed. So, mm -hmm. and they're, they're, you know, the same with me as well. So Absolutely. I feel like it's definitely an advantage. It is hard though. You know, when you have those high highs together, it is so fun. You have those low lows and it's all like, together. well, shit. Like we're all <laughs> in this and it's like, we're, we're all drowning together. Like, you know, I can't someone like, to pull you up, you know? No, I know. I'm like, I can't call up my sister or my mom or my dad and be like, I just had the worst day at work. You know, they're like, me Absolutely. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell so, me about a it. huge challenge, definitely, because you've got, it's difficult to find that person to go to, you know, just when you need that, that moan, that kind of, that moment to be like, oh God, okay, this is not working today, but everyone right. is in that same boat. So, right. So like staying positive, that's definitely been something that we've learned and honestly has been really a gift is most of us are pretty like glass half full. Um, but there are moments where, you know, some sometimes it's just like harder and you're going through it. So it's been nice to see that we're able to typically balance each other out with like good days Absolutely. and bad days and hard moments and good moments. Mm -hmm. What was the, um, the thing that made you, because obviously being a family decision, what was the thing that got you to this three years ago? Why three years ago did you get here? And yeah, what was the, the thing that brought you together for this moment? Yeah, so um, three years ago was my dad's birthday. And uh -huh. um, we always talk about, you know, what are, things that just like highlights this past year, what are your hopes and dreams for this next year? And his hope and dream for that upcoming year was to start a business as a family. Wow. So okay. he had just, his um, previous company had been acquired by Adidas and he worked with the brand for, it was like eight or nine years. And mm -hmm. he was just like itching to start something um, from the bottom again, like with mm -hmm. his own hands, he had been like overseeing the, um, the future division of Adidas and like, you know, would look at trends five to 15 years on the road and create patents for them to help them get like, you know, as well. ahead of other mm -hmm. um, competitors. And so it was cool, but he couldn't see the follow through of the whole journey of all the things that he was innovating essentially and creating patents and ideas for. So he was generating all these ideas, but amazing human, brilliant mind, but he mm -hmm. wasn't able to see the whole process through and he was just wanting to do that again. Um, so I think he told himself, which I didn't know this, but he told himself after his last startup, if I do a startup again, I really want to do it with my family. And he's wow. joked about like start doing startup together as a family. Um, but he was really serious this time. So we at that dinner table actually came up with the idea of Koya and how we really felt like it could be impactful in the world. Um, well, and, what a big lunch. Uh, yeah, that's yeah seriously, I know. I, before dessert was that, before we even blew out the, the birthday candles, we had like wow. the, you know, stereotypical napkin drawing with like the details of what we were planning on doing. Amazing. And we left just excited and buzzing and hey, full of possibility. Like this could maybe mm -hmm. happen. Um, at the time, my sister and I both were traveling overseas. I, I was overseas about 80% of the year at the time. And so 
it it took a lot for us to actually get there to yeah. finish out international right, contracts. Commitments. Finish out, yeah, commitments. Mm-hmm. So um, from between February and October, we kind of like wrapped things up. Um, okay. And then we joined full time while doing kind of Koi on the side. So it took a, a little minute to fully jump on board, but we were all really excited to see what we could create together to you know, make an impact, I think. And actually something you committed to then, if it took you obviously from February February to, was it October you said, to obviously to tie all these things up, it was something yes. that you all thought, no, we're ready for this, we're ready to do it. Absolutely. And it was cool Amazing. to see equal excitement and commitment on their end yeah. too. Like we were all like, yeah, let's let's actually make this happen. Let's do what we need to do to, to make it happen. What an amazing story, you know, just the kind of your dad's dream, which came all of your dream as well together over one lunch for for his birthday. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Um, Obviously, three years ago, okay, so three years ago is when uh, you founded the business. There has been a lot which has happened in the world in the last three years. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) So what, how have these challenges really uh, influenced what you've been doing? Has it made it more challenging or has it been beneficial? Yeah, I would say both. For sure. Uh Um, For one, I think COVID really woke uh, us up collectively together um, for what's really important in the world. Connection being one of the main ones, which is a big, a big part of our value with Mm -hmm. Koya is like helping people connect in more meaningful ways. So previously before when we were starting to talk to people about our idea, they were like, oh, that's cool. That's like kind of, that's nice. That's nice to have. But when they started, when people started actually experiencing loneliness and started feeling it themselves firsthand, they weren't able to go out all the time. They were in their apartments or homes and they were doing everything remotely, not having that daily human interaction with so many people that they used to. I think the, 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 you know, value proposition started sinking in of like, oh, wow, we actually, we do need connection as humans. It's not really a want. It really is like a basic human need. And so I think it did push that, um, that empathy and understanding that people were able to kind of hop on board and be like, yeah, this actually makes sense. I can see this being necessary, not Mm -hmm. just fun to have or nice to have type Mm -hmm. of product. Um, And I think too, like we had done research and loneliness is like what generates from loneliness is like depression like anxiety like so many different things and so Mm -hmm. I think um it took all these stats that were out there like and and not like I don't know just like more like a yeah stat like not Mm -hmm. and it brought it home for people they're like oh I can see this I can actually this affects me too yeah I feel this Yeah, absolutely. So that was really positive um, because, I mean, COVID was terrible, but at the same time, I think it did wake us up to what's important. Absolutely. And it gave people what they needed at that time as well, wasn't it? A hundred percent. And then Mm. from the work perspective, I think everybody realizing, oh, we can do a lot more work remotely. We can be productive remotely. We don't all have to be together. That was a positive thing for us too, because yes, it's helping us be able to grow and it's also helping people realize, okay, so we're not having these like water cooler interactions as much. How can we utilize technology to, to start incorporating that more into our, our daily habits and routines. And that's part of what our product does. So it also helped people understand from a business perspective, um, the, the value that we offer. 
so it actually seems like it was very good timing. Yeah, very, very good timing, you know, it worked out so. well. Yeah, that. we couldn't have paid for the brand awareness, like PR, like the yeah. reasons of why this would be necessary. Um, I will say it hasn't been until probably like the last six months that people really have had those aha moments because, mm-hmm. you know, you can go so long, like in isolation and like running through things and you're basically in a trauma response. So absolutely. It, and then you realize, don't you? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been out for a year. Absolutely. I haven't done anything. Yeah. I was like, we've really got to change this. We've got to yeah, fix exactly. it. Companies, we're seeing so many companies put money aside for products that are helping them connect better with their employees and customers. They're really increasing, um, increasing this like budget, which is awesome because they see the need for it. Um, mm-hmm. So it did take a little bit of time, I think, to feel that pain, to see it, to recognize it. And then now they're actually starting to do things about it, which is good. Absolutely. What about now? So obviously that stage is finished, the beginning stage sure. of COVID. What about now? Now COVID is obviously, luckily, as yes. we hope, is going down. How yes. does this kind of affect your business now? What kind of plans have you got in place? Where do you go next? Sure. So what we're doing right now is we are just coming out of our private beta mode with the B2B product. So we already have like a wait list of 2,000 people, over 2,000 people ready to use our product once we're live. We have like several LOIs in place, which is really exciting. So um, I think where we're going from now is like this week in Austin is South by Southwest, which is, you know, huge event. The first portion is very tech specific and focused. So last night through Monday is like all of these tech events. So a lot of networking, a lot of getting out there and actually talking to people in person, Mm -hmm. um, which is new. New, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I know last night at the event, my sister and I, Courtney, we were looking around and we're like, does everybody seem really uncomfortable? Like, <laughs> I, I just felt like I was like trying to figure out how do I socialize in person again? You know, so just, I've forgotten it, you know? <laughs> yes, I forgot. What do I do? You know, and so I think that will be for sure a big um, part of us moving forward is interacting more in person, doing more events, um, getting the word out, shaking hands, showing people how yeah. we want to show up. Um, so that's for a sure. Cha- a new challenge, new step, really, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm I'm excited for it though. I love people. I love being with people in person. And so I think it'll be really um really nice to get real live responses and in person than uh sending emails or doing things remotely, Absolutely. especially user interviews. Like what part do you get stuck on? How can we make this product better for you? All of that I feel like is better in person. So I'm excited for Absolutely. that. I think. Also, um, it will be easier for us to scale in person, like having meetings, you know, with potential clients and companies. Quicker, isn't it as well? It's so much quicker. Mm No, because you can, you can show up and have your personality online, but you just, there's so many things you miss, so many cues you miss, and you can't really feel the energy as strong as you can. Very true. So Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to that, to being able to like show up, shake hands, you know, hear what business, what problems businesses have and like figure out if we can show up as a a way to provide a solution for them. Absolutely. And, you know, okay, so you're talking about obviously getting out there now, yeah, speaking to people, shaking their hands. How, at the beginning at least, how uh, difficult was the uh, fundraising uh, part Mm. of the business, finding investors? How difficult was it? And what kind of advice could you give to our listeners? What was kind of your methods of finding the best investor for you? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whew, I have, I have multiple parts to this, but I'll make it quick. <laughs> so before COVID, I would say we raised a friends and family round and we were just, we honestly thought we'd have no problem raising money at all. Like we'll just start mm -hmm. with a friends and family round, build, develop. And then once we have a live product, raise funds. Um, once we had a live product, we started going out there. And because my dad has a previous, you know, successful exit, we thought, oh, no problem. But with three other female founders, it actually was a problem. People were hesitant. They were hesitant because we were family. They're hesitant because they're like, one male, three females, even with diversity and inclusion and trying to have more underrepresented founders, you know, supporting them and backing them, it still was a bit of a, a problem. Um, so we had so many meetings and just kept realizing either the terms weren't good or um, it just didn't feel like the right aligned fit. So we kind of stopped fundraising. We didn't take any additional outside funds. And then during COVID, we started trying to raise funds again and just realized pretty quickly it just wasn't the right time. So we, we didn't even go very long with trying to raise money. We uh, had a bunch of meetings, maybe in like a two or three week time period. And we're like, you know what? This just doesn't feel right. This isn't where we need to be. So we decided to put our heads down again and just continue to iterate, develop this B2B product. And we decided since the B2B product will be generating revenue, we would rather just continue to keep our equity and see this grow um, with our own revenue. And then later on, we'll be in a better position to raise, um, to raise money. And hopefully people will be able to see the value clearer um, because of where we're at with COVID and because of where we're at as a company. So we, we've only done the friends and family round and I'm really glad we haven't taken additional funds because, um, yeah, the one, the people we were considering before just, they weren't aligned and I think they would have stopped us in our tracks. My advice would be to answer your question, make sure that whatever investors you align, you know, are aligned with you, aligned with your vision. They aren't just in it because they want to return, but they actually want to see your success and they want to see an impact in the world. Um, you know, that's one of our in it together, lives. you know, oh, in it together completely. Absolutely. Like if you, you know, you're literally getting in bed with someone you're, you're in it for a long time. Exactly. Like there's mm -hmm. some statistic out there that says that, uh, you know, a partnership with investor is longer than some marriages last. And so you really want to make sure that you're aligned, that you, you feel supported by them, that you can trust them, that they also have wisdom and experience in your industry and can open up doors. It just, it should be on, should be beyond uh, just a check that they offer. Absolutely. It's not just a business, is it? It's not just yeah. a partnership between your business. It's a, a matchmaking process, isn't yeah. it? And if you and like- don't, if, don't show up desperate because it Exactly. Is. Yeah, yeah. It's your, your business and you want yeah. to find someone that fits you. So not just that's go it. out there and take this. You need to find, you know, what works. And that's yes. obviously a part of the secret of your success then is that when you kind of adjusted to the situation, didn't feel right. No, we're not doing it right now. We'll come back to this another time, perhaps, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you also mentioned there, obviously, about three females um, in the company, three, uh, three females, and then obviously your dad as well. Gender mm -hmm. equality, uh, something that I see as well on LinkedIn that you're very big on. How has that been over the last three years? Have you seen some kind of uh, difficulties? Have you faced any difficulties? Oh, sure. Or has it been? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Absolutely. I mean, uh -huh. I have been in countless meetings with my dad, virtually and in person, and people's response, I'd say nine times out of 10 is that I'm his assistant or that wow. I am just his mm -hmm. wife showing up just to have a meeting, like just to like, mm -hmm. listen and not Passing even the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my dad looks great. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be ashamed if someone thought I was his wife, 
<laughs> like it's not like that, but I'm. It is kind of like a, a slide, you know, just that people still there is some hesitation, um, and there still needs to be development in regards to how we approach female founders, how we support them, and recognizing, oh my gosh, they have so much to offer. Um, there is this story I read the other day, and it talked about female founders and how they won't even apply, not even female founders, just females in general, they won't apply for jobs unless they feel like they're 98, 99% qualified. Whereas like wow. their counterparts, male um, co-founders, they would apply for jobs that they were like 60% qualified because they were like, I'll fake it till I'll make it, I'll learn, I'll grow. And when you show up differently, I think women for so long, there's been so much oppression with like, you can't do it, your place is in the home, you know, you don't know as much, whatever it is. Uh, we're still trying to kind of come out of that, uh, like quite a long while of having those messages uh, put on us. And so it's I think different. as a result, you don't have as much, um, there's, there's a lack of like confidence and feeling like you have to be perfect, absolutely perfect in order to qualify for something. Whereas men, I think, in general, I'm not saying every guy's like this at all, but just in general, I feel like there's a lot more confidence. And if you look at history, even it's kind of like, you can do anything. If you're a guy, you can do anything. Just As you said, fake off. it until you make it, you know, absolutely that, you know, you don't have to be qualified. You can just walk in and oh, right. Yeah, okay. Right. And especially more of like a, a guy's guy's world, like it is, it True. is a bit of an advantage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and especially with connections and business connections, like I feel you women have to work a little bit harder. I, from my experience, at least. Mm -hmm. um, what can you do? What can you, sorry, what can you do for that though? As in yeah. tech, what can women do in order to take that control, take that kind of, um, instead of thinking that they have to be 98, 99% perfect, what can they do? What have you done? Yeah, I mean, I think it is really changing the narrative. So individually doing inner work and just being like, it doesn't matter that I've heard these messages before I know I'm enough. And so I, if I choose to show up that way, um, then I start, you know, I'm recreating those neural pathways in my mind personally, and then just encouraging other women to do the same. I was talking to someone yesterday and she didn't want to apply for a job because she was like, I don't have experience in this. It's like, what? Wow. These are the experiences mm -hmm. I see that you do have. So maybe just like focus on all these incredible qualities you do possess. Let them see how amazing you are and then let them decide if you're qualified Absolutely. or not. Absolutely. So just like mm -hmm. choosing to be advocates of women um, as a woman myself and like, you know, men as well, like just encouraging female counterparts to, to go for it, to just reminding them like, you've got this, you, you are enough, like you can soar. Believing um, in yourself, I guess, more, isn't it, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I think the VC world is slowly starting to shift to, um, to have a focus more on you know, equality and inclusion and diverse founders. And so I think that will probably take a lot longer. But in the meantime, I think female founders that are back that do have successful companies, we can start encouraging and mentoring other people as well as when we start, when I start becoming an angel investor, which I totally will, I know that I can change the narrative myself too. And I can Absolutely. be really proactive about the people I choose to invest in. So making sure I don't repeat history um, as well. I think that's exactly, it. you know, you need to get out there. You need to show that you are exactly the same, if not better than some of them, you know, some of them or all of them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think it's the point of, you know, not uh, believing in yourself, you know, if you apply for the job, as you said, they can decide if you're, if you're right for the job or not, not you, you don't know. Absolutely. So, and absolutely, it's taking, yeah. taking control, like what you can control, which is how you show up. I mean, mm -hmm. 
everything else might take time to change, but I can still choose to make powerful choices, powerful choices in that process. And and I can control that, which is great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very interesting. Uh, What about, um, okay, let's go to more. um, I don't know if it's something that you do, but outsourcing, perhaps outsourcing is something that you have done. How do you approach outsourcing? Is it something you stay within the States for outsourcing or do you start looking elsewhere? Yeah, we've definitely outsourced before and we've outsourced with people in different countries, um, both, in, mm-hmm. you know, stateside, but also in other countries as well. I think similar to um, just this thought of like women in business, it's just like looking for the best talent and not looking at where yep. someone's from or um, or whatever, but just like, how are they showing up? What is their work like? Do we want to be aligned with them? Do they understand our vision and, and would they be a great team member? So that's kind of how we've approached things. Um, currently, we're all internal, so we don't have anything outsourced at the moment. Um, we have a, a part-time full house, full stack developer that works mm-hmm. with us. And that's the only other person besides our, our founding Family. team before. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past, that's kind of been our, our model of how we approach outsourcing. Um, and I think the only, the only thing I'd consider besides like, you know, people's talent and making sure they're aligned with your vision and like vibe well with, uh, your company, your team is considering time zones. Um, just because Uh, mm -hmm. it's not hard to consider, but just make sure, like, I mean, when when we did calls, a lot of times we'd get up really early in the morning and it'd be like their afternoon. And so just taking into consideration, making sure it works for you. But I feel like if you find the right people that are fit for the job and like incredibly talented and believe in what you're doing, not just they want to work with you um, to make money, but they believe in what you're doing. They want to be part of it. They want to be yes. part of you, of, yes, of your exactly. business. Yeah. So make it happen. Like mm-hmm. make that time zone work for you um, because you know the kind of quality and the heart and the passion that's put into the project will be exponential. Absolutely. And very, very true. It's that point of if they if they want to do good, they will. If they want to be part yes. of the team, they will. They will find the means to do that, won't they? 100%. Very nice. Um, Okay, let's uh, talk a little bit about obviously the inevitable at the moment, Uh, Ukraine, what is happening in Ukraine, the war on Ukraine. Um, It's really interesting for me and for our listeners and for us at um, at Relevant to hear your opinion, because obviously with your past as a international humanitarian photographer, I believe you were, obviously it's something that is quite closely connected to what you were doing, humanitarian work and the humanitarian crisis, which is going to come of this. Absolutely. What have you been hearing in America? What's your um, kind of this situation? What's America been showing and this? Has is it been something that's very, very much heard in the news constantly at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely on the news daily and Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh-huh. everybody. We're all talking about it. I feel like as we should be. It's not, you know, we should be talking about relevant um, things that are happening in the world. And this deserves our attention more than just how's the weather today, you know? So I am thankful that it is top of mind for everyone. I'm really deeply entrenched in like the startup ecosphere. Um, and so I think I have a better pulse on that, um, than like America as a whole, but even like in my, you know, little world, it's like people you're talking about outsourcing and so many people, part of their remote team is in Ukraine. And, that's, they've gone from co-workers to like friends Mm -hmm. and in the process of working together. And so they're just devastated. Um, And obviously all of our 
our thoughts and prayers are for, you know, peace and resolve. And we're hoping that something amazing will happen sooner rather than later, but it's just, it, it should be talked about. And I'm thankful that it is top of mind for everyone um, because it's, it's a big deal. It really is. And it, you know, it's one of those things that it, the more we talk about it, the better. Uh, the more yeah. we talk about it, we need it. We need it to be out there. We need um, the news cycles get so they go so quick these days. So if something happens, people forget about it after a few yeah. weeks. And I think the more we can keep this in in the the sphere of everyone's attention, then the better it will be for ending the war as soon as possible. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So we can only hope for the best here. But oh, absolutely. I think for me, I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, for me, what feels really interesting about this situation right now um, is because of my background, I would probably be, I would have been overseas by now, you know, with my job, they would have sent me to the ground, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I would have been hearing these stories firsthand and, um, you know, taking photos to document, to bring, you know, visual aid and storytelling to people that aren't aren't in touch with what's Mm -hmm. happening. Um, And I, I believe visual storytelling is one of the the biggest ways to actually move people because you remind people of the humanity of the situation. Your sister, your brother, their, you know, your cousin, like this is another human. This isn't like so far removed. This is close. Um, So it is really interesting actually being in Austin and not being overseas right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's been interesting because it's like, I, how do I help, you know, besides staying educated and up to date with what's happening and providing resources for my friends that are like, oh, what organizations are good ones that I can actually send yeah. money to help with aid right now? I'm like, oh, here's some quality ones you can send, um, send money to support right now. I've loved seeing how cryptocurrency has actually played a positive role in this situation. That was I mean, I think that's beautiful. I think that further shows us the the value that cryptocurrency can provide, um, even in, in aid and in crisis. Um, so, yeah, I, I I definitely um, I'm hopeful as well. Like mm-hmm. you said, I'm hopeful. It's all we can do really now, isn't it? Is <laughs> we can talk about it as much as we can. Um, as you said, we can donate as much as possible yes. to the right kind of um, institutions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's very important what you just said about, obviously, the, um, the photos and how these tell the story. Words are words, you know, nice. but those mm-hmm. photos that you see when, unfortunately, you've got those people laying on the ground or if you've got houses smashed to pieces, basically. These are the things that really move people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, most definitely. Um Obviously, being um, I actually live in Ukraine, not right now, obviously, but uh, being there as well, all of my friends, co-workers oh. and stuff, it's a very difficult time for all of us. But for them, obviously, yeah. their home, their place, a hundred times worse. Oh, but um, they're very, very strong people. They will always hope for the yes. best. They are extremely strong. And I think that's what they proved to the world so yes. far, you know. Um, Resilient is definitely a word I would use as well. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> What about, what do you think uh, more so for the industry? How is this going to affect the industry? Do you see it in the States right now? Is it starting to affect, are people starting to be a bit more careful planning for some kind of war? Um, Or are people, is it not really got to that point yet? I mean, I would say that's that's been in conversations, but I haven't seen anybody prepare. (laughs) <laughs> so it's more talked about, um, like, could this happen? Is this where we're going? 
what do you think? Um, but I, I wouldn't say I've seen preparations, um, you know, be put in place as a result. It's mm -hmm. been a bit more trying to assess the situation, trying to figure out um, what next steps would be. So, and it, I mean, I, I want to say like, I'm th I'm still thinking more like for my tech ecosphere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but still, even that, I think our everyone I've talked to, the focus has been how can we support you know re remote team members and like friends that live there um, more than like you know preparing for for shifts in the business and like how things will operate. I. I'm wondering, I mean, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about like outsourcing and like thinking about, is that positive or um, mm -hmm. what, what my thoughts are? I do wonder if that will be a consideration with businesses and like startups, um, but I hope it won't deter people because mm -hmm. I think now more than ever, <laughs> like people like Ukrainians are needing our support. They're the last thing they would need is for someone in the start to be like, oh, you're not able to make the deadline. So that, that would just be terrible. Um, so I would say, if anything, I, I really am hopeful that my counterparts in the startup sphere are able to support and give grace and compassion and help to their remote um, team members instead of like pulling away at such an important time. Um, and then in the future as well, I hope that it's able to, to really get back up to a thriving um, there you know, well. we're hoping stronger. We're hoping even stronger than it is. Uh, we've seen how people are uniting at the moment. We're seeing how, how how strong the people are, as we've said, resilience. But it's that was actually going to be my next question. So it was um, very good that you answered because it was going to be, you know, how is it going to affect the outsourcing part? And Ukraine is huge, obviously, in the, in the tech 100%. sphere. Yeah. And obviously now investors will start to think, hmm, can I be, can I, can I do this? Can we do this? But mm -hmm. I think, as you said, what we're seeing so far is really, really positive, yes. cool sort of, you guys are great. You work hard. You can do your job as long as you're safe where's the problem we're here to support yeah. you in this time of need yes absolutely so. uh, to pull support away would just be so selfish right now so exactly. i really i really hope that startups are able to see bigger than themselves and yeah. in this moment and to be able to provide more support than and then pull away because it's inconvenient that's just it would just be terrible it really would it really <laughs> i mean come on like really <laughs> Like, this is what? the time we need you the most this is the time that's really needed for you to support <laughs> absolutely karen uh, thank you very much this was a really really interesting conversation with you i know you're busy so i'm not going to take much of your time um but thank you for uh for your time today again really interesting i wish you all the success and your company and your family and everyone there and um yeah hopefully to connect with you soon Thank you, Matt. I enjoy this conversation as well. Truly. It's, it's good to talk to someone that is willing to dive into harder, you know, things that are relevant and important and should be talked about. Um, I think people sometimes shy away from conversations that could potentially be uncomfortable, but it's so necessary. We're humans. We need to support each other and we need to be able to know what's happening um, in order to be able to show up better.